96.9 Radio Humber's daily in-depth news and public affairs program. I'm Sarah Hurtado. And I'm Jess Kerr. Today we start off with some exciting news. Canada faces Belgium in their first World Cup match today at 2 p.m. And we also look into the thoughts of Humber students and what they may be thinking about the upcoming game. As well as some shopping tips on how to stay within your budget with Black Friday sh- sales approaching. All this and more today on At Humber. In the news today, today is a big day for Can- for Canada men's soccer team. They're playing their first game in the FIFA World Cup for the first time in almost 40 years. They take on Belgium at 2 p.m. They are coming into the tournament as underdogs, but can they flip the script? At Radio Humber reporter Andrew Raghunandan speaks with Michael Aquino, coach to the Humber Hawks men's soccer team, about Canada's chances in the tournament and also discuss about a few players who have a GTA connection. So, Michael, I'm sure you're going to be glued to your screen at 2 o'clock. What do you think of Canada's chances against Belgium? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're all uh, hoping for uh, good things. I think uh, they're definitely in tough against a very good Belgium squad. As we've seen already this tournament, um, upsets can happen. And I think that uh, Canada has the uh, ability with uh, some some world-class players that they do have to present a threat to uh, Belgium. And I think Belgium... um, has shown that they've, uh, you know, that they're respecting Canada and their abilities, and so uh, you know it's going to be an interesting game, fun to watch, and we hope all the best for our team. Many of these players, I believe, are from the GTA. A few of them are from Brampton. Um, since you've coached Humber's uh, national team and you've played many other teams from across Ontario, are you familiar with any of these players? Yeah, I mean, uh, most of them grew up, or I shouldn't say most of them, but uh, several of them did uh, grow up in the Brampton area. Uh, you know, Brampton's always had a, a strong pool of players, especially over the last 10, 15 years, I'd say. And uh, from a Humber perspective, uh, we, we do recruit several players from that area as well. We do get a lot of uh, incoming players to our program that have uh, helped us win uh, some national championships as well. So yeah, I'm sure Brampton's quite... Uh, Excited to see some of their players representing on the national stage. I'm sure some of the boys will do uh, very well, not only for uh, for Canada. This is their only second appearance in 36 years, but now with their strong talent they have, do you think they have what it takes to flip the script? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a much different uh, team, of course. Uh, it's uh, only our second appearance at a World Cup, but uh, again, the country's, uh, the soccer country anyway, is uh, is quite excited. Uh, to see what we could do. Uh, as I mentioned before, they have some pieces to uh, be able to do much better, to surprise, and to hopefully uh, not only score a goal, uh, but to, to even win a game. And of course, with the hope of perhaps even advancing through the group, that would be something special. You have uh, Laren, Davies, David, uh, you know, guys that are scoring goals for their country, scoring goals in their league. Uh, David is uh, you know, doing very well. Liga there in uh, in uh, France, so he's definitely somebody that uh, can find the back of the net. You know, we're quite happy that uh, Davies is healthy and seems to be back in the lineup uh, for today. And so he's obviously a threat as well. So we have a lot of good threats going forward. The team is playing well. Uh, John Herdman, the national team coach, has them playing with confidence and a real togetherness, a uh, real group that uh, sees themselves. Um, as having the belief and the potential to achieve uh, good things. So, yeah, we're excited, and I think uh, they have the uh, tools and the pieces to do, um, you know, to do exactly those or complete those historic moments that we're talking about, right? Finding that first goal, winning that first game, and hopefully getting through the group stage. When Canada was never 
in the World Cup the, for the past decades, Canadians typically would support other teams. And now that Canada's in the World Cup, Canadians will be like a little divided whether they should, you know, hop on the bandwagon or still support their favorite teams. You know, what is your advice to them? Should they give Canada a chance? Well, first and foremost, I think, uh, you know, I've, I'm of uh, Italian heritage and uh, I could I could uh, safely tell you that if uh, Canada and Italy were in the World Cup uh, together and playing each other, I would definitely be supporting Canada. Uh, I think all Canadians uh, born or uh, who are living here would be wonderful if they could support Canada. It's, uh, it's definitely uh, okay to support multiple teams, right? So you can have your... Uh, you can have your uh, two countries, uh, whoever you support, and support them both. And um, but you know, I think uh, you know, everybody who's here and is a soccer fan and enjoys the sport is going to be back in Canada and supporting their efforts uh, to achieve uh, at the World Cup because obviously it's uh, it's not only exciting, it's fun, but it's also uh, going to be good for the game uh, here in in our country as the game continues to grow. And uh, obviously, what Canada has done as a as a soccer country and getting to the World Cup is already going to hopefully uh, we're going to see the uh, the benefits of that in our country as the game continues to grow. But with continued success, um, that's only going to bring bigger and better things to our uh, to our soccer communities across the uh, across the country. That was at Radio Humber reporter Andrew Ragnandan speaking with Humber Hawks men's soccer team head coach Michael Aquino. As you just heard, Canada takes on Belgium today in a challenging match. At Humber reporter Barbara Patrocinio asks students how the team will fare. Today is a big day for Canadian soccer fans. The Canadian selection will play their first match in over 36 years. Facing one of the favorites tonight, Canada has a lot to prove to be trusted in this matchup. Not only Belgium is the current favorite to win Group F, but also owns the ninth best odds to win the entire tournament. A 36-year-old cup absent is no joke and the Canadians now have to go up against the team that placed third in 2018. Here at Humber, most students are pessimists. So from what I heard, it seems like they're, they don't have a good chance. I say the odds are pretty low for them because Belgium is ranked number one for the last two years. I don't see a chance of them winning, to be honest. I don't think Canada's going to do too great. I think Belgium's going to win it. Uh, I think they're going to lose in the elimination round, first round. But some still have hope. I feel like they're going to win today. Yeah, they should win. Canada's going to win. I think it's going to be 2-1. Uh, Canada's going to take it home. Since Saudi Arabia could beat Argentina, then there's a chance Canada could beat Belgium. Game is set for 7 p.m. in Eastern Time. Barbara Petrosinio, Radio Humber News. Still to come, we have some insight on the meteorite that flew through Earth's atmosphere on Saturday, causing a sonic boom. This is at Humber on 96.9 Radio Humber. Stay with us. Anytime, any day, anywhere, Good to Talk is there. Good to Talk is a free confidential helpline for post-secondary students in Ontario who need someone to talk to. If you're navigating changes to your life, work, and academics during these unprecedented times, Good to Talk is here to help you 24-7. Students can reach Good to Talk by calling 1-866-925-5454 or texting Good to Talk ON to 686868. Again, that's call 1-866-925-5454 
or text good to talk on to 686868. It's good to talk. This could be you. A backpacker fallen in the woods. A batter hit by a bad pitch. Or this could be you, an outreached hand, trained to provide first aid in any situation. Only St. John Ambulance First Aid and CPR training can put you first on the scene with the most up-to-date life-saving skills. It could be you making the difference. Get trained. Be ready. Call St. John Ambulance. At Humber Continues Now, I'm Sad Hurtado. It's not every day something falls out of the sky and ends up in our own backyard. If you were awake early Saturday morning, you may have seen a meteorite fly through Earth's atmosphere along with a sonic boom. The meteorite's crash has scientists and residents buzzing as the search for falling pieces is underway. Kim Tide is the mineralogy curator at the ROM. At Humber reporter Angela Ventura speaks to her about the meteorite and the search. Can you talk a little bit about um, the details of the meteorite, uh, the dimensions, the velocity, where it possibly came from and where it exactly touched down in Ontario? So what's exciting about this, uh, this fall in particular was that it was picked up prior to even entering our atmosphere. So uh, the European Space Agency was able to uh, notice its incoming and so they tracked it all the way through our atmosphere and then it did land somewhere along the, uh, either the shoreline or in Lake Ontario, we're not quite sure, but uh, there is uh, some fall zone that is on the shore. So between sort of Grimsby and out to the Welland area uh, could have been where it fell. But uh, certainly uh, it was witnessed by quite a lot of people. Um, I had a lot of uh, emails and calls. And then uh, throughout the day on Saturday, we got to see a bunch of the the videos and, uh, you know, one of them crossing by the CN Tower. And uh, (laughs) a lot of people in the area, I live in Oakville, so a lot of... um, a lot of uh, accounts of you know dogs barking and kids waking up in the middle of the night from the uh, the sonic boom that came after. So it was quite um, a, a witnessed event, which is really exciting. But unfortunately, I was not nearby, <laughs> so I'm a little disappointed about that. But. Yeah. To your knowledge, has something like this um, ever happened? And how close to home has it been before, if it ever has happened? Yeah, so we've actually had a meter of... Uh, event at in Grimsby before so uh, this does happen quite often that there's material that is entering into our atmosphere but what's so great about earth is that we have such a thick atmosphere typically this material just burns up and uh, you know when it comes into our atmosphere it goes white hot and that's what we're seeing as you know somebody sees a shooting star it's just that burning material um, going white hot uh, in the friction throughout the uh, atmosphere and then Typically, they just burn up and that's it. Or if they do land, um, you know, Earth is three quarters water, you know, so typically, you know, they might land into water. And uh, in this case, uh, you know, we're just, because it is such a large area, um, it would be very difficult for, you know, just a couple of us to go out and look. So it's always great to have lots of different eyes and uh, people looking because if they see something that's, you know, a little unusual or, or different looking that they maybe didn't see on their their walk the day before, that uh, they can contact us. So when um, people are looking for these fallen pieces, um, how big can these pieces be and what exactly should they be looking out for to determine if it's a meteorite piece or just a regular rock piece? 
One of the uh, telltale signs of a meteorite is their outer surface appearance. So as they're, as they're burning up and as they're going white hot, it melts the outer part of the, uh, of the material. So you get this black, glassy, really uh, smooth surface that is on the outside of the, uh, the material. And in this particular fall, they expect uh, a, a range of sizes, everything from pea size all the way up to sort of a baseball size. And really that black outer surface, we just don't have anything on Earth that has that process right. of, of making that look. So it's a very definitive look. And uh, another way to look for uh, meteorites is by um, its magnetic properties. So um, meteorites are typically magnetic. So even if you took a fridge magnet to the material and just to see if there's any iron in it, that's another hmm. good telltale sign. Why would the ROM want something like this? And what is the value in the ROM having something like this? So, you know, we here at the museum, uh, we have a, I have an active research group. I'm also a professor at the University of Toronto, so I have a lot of students. And uh, we have uh, this year so far, we've identified we've gone through the process of identifying 87 new meteorites already. So we are very active in this area, trying to describe them and look at them for the first time. Um, anybody that finds a meteorite, they have to be described officially through an international body. And that's something that we can help with here at the museum. But it's really up to the owner. Uh, you know, if the object lands on their property, it remains their property. And they can decide what they'd like to do with it after that. Um, after it's officially a meteorite, they can keep it if they like. Uh, some people like to do that. But, you know, scientifically, it's always really exciting to, uh, to study these rocks. These are some, you know, many of them are four and a half billion years old. They're from the beginning of the solar system. These are all um, pieces of our solar system and really gives us context of not only our whole solar system, but our, our planet's uh, relation to everything else in the solar system. That was the ROM's mineralogy, meteorite, and gem curator, Kim Tate. Straight ahead, Humber College's PR certificate program is hosting a peer-led conference on how inclusion is addressed through communication and education. You're listening to Ad Humber on 96.9 Radio Humber. Stay with us. Multitasking. We all do it. Heck, I can sit on my couch, I can watch five channels and Google my brains out all at the same time. It's very impressive and it's safe. But multitasking while you're driving, using your cell phone or texting, that's not impressive. That's, what's the word I'm looking for here? Dumb. It's also illegal, so don't do it. Anything that takes your eyes off the road increases your chance of crashing. When it comes to driving, it's eyes on the road, hands on the wheel, my friends. It's the law. A message from the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police. Getting a job is tough unless you have the right team in your corner. Let the Humber Career Center be the one in your corner to help you get the job you want. It will help you build a career portfolio which includes transcripts, samples of your work, awards, certificates, or anything else you might need to get ahead of the game. We've helped over 1,500 students just like you get the jobs they wanted today. Visit our website at careers.humber.ca for more details. The Humber Career Center. Stand out from the crowd today. At Humber continues just minutes from now, the latest sports, news, and weather. But first, Humber College's very own PR certificate program is hosting the Let's Talk Diversity Conference on Monday, November 28th. This student-led and made workshop is aimed at educating students on how to change the way inclusion is addressed through communication and education. 
It will feature a panel discussion with guest speakers, a workshop, and time for networking. At Humber reporter Joshua Drake speaks with Let's Talk Diversity Secretary-Treasurer Taylor Bowes to learn more on how this event took shape. On the information posted with the event that it was students that helped come up with this idea, can you tell me a little bit about how that happened? Yeah, so our conference is actually planned completely by students and for students, and it's a product of our events management class in the PRC program here at Humber, which is the Public Relations Graduate Certificate. And so every section of this course has to plan an event. So ours is a conference, and it's called Let's Talk Diversity. Can you give me just a brief rundown of this event, something that students coming in can expect from start to finish? Yeah, definitely. So it's going to run at the G building on Humber's Lakeshore campus, and it's going to be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Monday, November 28th, which is next Monday. And basically, it's going to have a panel, and there are four speakers who come from really diverse backgrounds, and they're going to represent a variety of different um, viewpoints, and they bring a lot of different expertise to the panel. And then we're also going to have an interactive workshop following the panel, and there will be an opportunity for a Q&A session with our panelists. And then there's also going to be a networking opportunity following the workshop, and there will be refreshments provided for those who attend. What is the end goal of this, pro of this program? Once the students come out, what tools will they now have that they didn't have before? We want to challenge people to maybe go outside of their comfort zones a little bit and just, we want everyone to walk away feeling like they learned at least one new thing or one way to communicate with people that they had never thought about before. Inclusive communication. Why is that so important now in today's society compared to it may not have gotten much attention a few years ago? Yeah, I think, well, also even just our class, we, we represent a lot of diverse backgrounds and a lot of different identities. And that's something that we feel is very important to reflect in our event. Some similar events have been put on in the past where they've said that communication, it can be really subtle, inclusive versus non-inclusive uh, wording. There's some things that we do now when we communicate that may not look maybe non-inclusive, but really can put people down. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. And that's something we also, I think our, our panelists are going to do a really good job of addressing is that it's not even just about language. There's some really nuanced things like even just body language, some things that we don't necessarily think that we're doing that could maybe be interpreted as offensive to some people. So I think that could be really helpful for students to learn as well is that there's some things you don't think that you're doing them, but other people interpret them in a way that's not okay. And these four panelists that you said that are coming to speak at this event, could you give me a little description on who they are and where they're coming from? Definitely. So we have Ariana Wabi, and she works at Indigenous Services Canada. And then we have Jordan Cullum, and he works at the Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital Foundation. And he's going to bring the perspective on ableism because he is our disabled panelist. And we have Samhar Mesquina, and she works at Supply Canada. We have Vince Charlo from Charlo Communications. And then also we're going to have Jefferson Darrell from Breakfast Culture moderating our panel. And he's a community activist and an LGBTQ plus ally. Perfect. And uh, this is primarily a student made program for an internship down the road. But would this be something that this group would like to see done more on a consistent basis? Because every time a new school, a new cohort comes in, they may want to have an opportunity like this. Definitely. And this is this is the first conference that's being planned of this nature 
from our class at least or from our program but this is something that we hope could just lay the groundwork for maybe a recurring conference as things as i mentioned earlier things like this are ever changing like there's always going to be new terminology that will be beneficial for people to learn so we're hoping that this event will go well enough that they'll want to do it again maybe next year or the year after and make it an annual thing that was at Humber reporter Joshua Drake speaking with Let's Talk Diversity City Secretary-Treasurer Taylor Bowes. Are you in the festive mood and looking for a fun way to celebrate while also supporting the Humber community? This Saturday afternoon, come out to the Humber Holiday Market. At Humber's Eric Reed specs with, speaks with Jenna Vagilis, the assistant curator for the Lakeshore Grant Interpretive Center, about the event. Uh, so the Holiday Market it's pretty much all about celebrating community. So I believe in 2018, um, it's hard to tell because with pandemic, we had to skip the last year, unfortunately, but I believe it was in 2018, a community member, Maureen Luke, actually approached the Lakeshore Grants Interpretive Center and pitched this idea of a holiday market and hosting it here. So we kind of jumped on that because we thought it was incredible because we're all about celebra celebrating community and working with community members. Um, so we partnered with her and we did the first one in 2018. It went well in 2019. And then unfortunately, we couldn't do it for the last couple of years. Right. Um, so this is our first time back. So that's why it's really exciting. And everyone seems to be really excited too. We've had a lot of vendor applications. Um, but yeah, so we work with her. Uh, we also work with uh, Lamp Community Health Center as well. Um, all of the donations and the vendor table um, money, I guess you could say, goes towards them and is donated towards them. So um, could you maybe just give me a little background, like planning the event? I'm sure it takes a few weeks or months. Um, could you maybe give me a little look into that? Oh my goodness, yes. So it uh, it definitely takes an army, but there's actually only four of us that have been on the oh. planning team. Wow. <laughs> um, so between yeah, between me and then our curator Nadine Finley, um, and then also Maureen Luke, we started in August to start to send out vendor applications or a call for vendors and that kind of went from August to the start of October. We extended it a little bit because we did have such an influx of vendor applications. I think we had, oh my goodness, like around 50 that came in. So between the three of us, we kind of sifted through those. Um, but the the whole idea was to kind of keep it local and ensure that it was very community oriented, but handmade gifts, all that kind of good stuff. So that we have, we whittled it down to 24 because we only have wow. so much room. It's taking place in the Student Welcome and Resource Center. Um, so it's a three floor building, but of those three floors, there's only two that can be used. So of course, yes. <laughs> we had to, we had to whittle it down a little bit, but yeah, going through that. And that was such a process too, because it was just like, oh, I really like this person or, That's... oh, is this going to be able, or this person's coming from yeah. over here. So trying to, trying to keep our parameters tight. Um, but hopefully more uh, come back next year because there were so many good ones that we saw. Um, but then also after that, it's more or less just kind of planning with Humber because a lot of it we're trying to do in-house. Um, right. We're trying to work with the community members too. So kind of working with facilities to ensure that all the tables and all the good behind the scenes stuff gets set up. Um, we also have Humber students working as volunteers at the um, at the event as well. So that's been fantastic because without volunteers, oh my goodness, it would be so much work. So no, of course. Yeah. So doing all of that and um, yeah, just, just basically getting all of the finances worked out, uh, getting all of the insurance and all that, all that really boring behind the scenes things. <laughs> um, but it is a lot to kind of coordinate. Um, so yeah, working up to 
this Saturday, it's all been kind of coming together to ensure that we have that we have the um, photo photo backdrop area that we want. We're going to have live right. music too. So getting that all worked out, making sure everybody knows where they're going, getting the floor plan maps worked out, all that good stuff. Can people find more information about the event and stay connected um, now and after? Yes. So we have an Instagram and a Twitter or sorry, Instagram and a Facebook. Um, and it is at new TO holiday market. I believe that is the handle. And then we also have a website as well, um, which you can follow through the interpretive center website, but it's also really easy if you just type in new Toronto holiday market and it's like the first thing up there. Um, but it's also on the interpretive center website. So just lakeshoregrounds.ca and it's on, it's right on our front page and you can click in and all of the information is there, a map is there, parking details, um, links to our social media is there too. So all the good stuff that you would need to know. That was Ad Humbert's Eric Reed speaking with Jennifer Gillis. Did you ever feel the urge of buying something you didn't even need just because it seemed like a very good deal? As Black Friday approaches this week, students might feel tempted with the offers, how to enjoy the sales and still keep yourself above budget. At Humber reporter Barbara Patrocinio talks to Mandeep Kaur Sidhu, economics PhD and Humber faculty of business professor about this topic. What is your advice for students willing to make good deals in Black Friday sale? So my advice is that you always make your list and make sure that, you know, you're sticking to uh, the list of the things that you know you are going to buy anyways and you actually need. Now in economics also, because I'm, you know, um, uh, I teach economics and student as well as teacher in economics. So we always uh, start with that, you know, economics teaches you to use your scarce resources in a way that you get maximum utility out of your limited income. So it is important that we understand our resources, what sort of money we have, right? The amount of money we have and we use them wisely. Uh, so um, I'll also share a few tips uh, in order to achieve this goal. One is that you make your budget. So setting up a budget that means the maximum amount that you can spend will help you to better decide how to allocate your funds. Now that way you don't spend all your money before you even get to buy the things that you need, right? Make a gift list too. So we all know it's a gifting season. Christmas is coming and on Black Friday we are obviously going to buy gifts as well. So include yourself in that list as well. Now, this will help you to decide, you know, the important things that you need. And also, you will be left with enough money to spend on gifts for family and friends at the end of it. What are the most common financial mistakes that happen during the sale that students should avoid? As I said, that first of all, we have to make a budget. And if we don't stick to that budget, uh, we overspend. So make a budget. Think about that how many you know uh, dollars you can spend on Black Friday or uh, to keep, to safeguard yourself to make sure that you know by the end of it it you don't create unhappy situation for yourself. So stick to your budget, make your list of the things that you want or for your you know for the gifts that you want for your family. Do the research, uh, look at the stores and see what sort of uh, you know uh, deals are there. Whatever store is giving you the best deal, go for those deals. And don't buy the things that you're not going to use in your near future. Are there any traps that students should avoid? And, you know, how, how can they manage their financial needs to actually take advantage of the sale without getting in trouble? Uh, the traps, I would say, is that especially if you're doing online shopping. And I feel that uh, if you have, if you're researching about, uh, you know, any, any one product, you start getting advertisements uh, about many products related to it. So sometimes... 
you know you you were never going to buy it you never planned to buy it but looking at those great deals you know you fall for it so that's the biggest mistake we do that we end up buying the things that we never planned to buy because we never required them so stick to your list and think about the things that you really need especially for students you know technology uh, investing in technology is great because that's what they're going to use every day and uh, their supplies the books they want and so on and how much of their budget student can spend without compromising themselves like is there a percentage or any amount of reference yes of course looking at your overall income the amount of money that you have you know you always have those expenses every month or every month you have your uh, fixed expenses in terms of rental your food your accommodation you know and so on you're traveling as well and plus on top of it if you're saving well beforehand that's great if you are not then stick to the budget like about you know 10% or 20% of your overall income or overall saving so that you don't get overboard so by the end of it um you have enough money left for yourself to pay your credit cards you know you have income coming up or you already have savings so that To, later on when you have to actually pay your credit card bills you are not in trouble and do you have any tips uh for building our budget like how can i be aware of how much can i spend everybody will have a different budget depending upon you know how much they are earning um or how much they have been saving over the past um there are certain things that you really really need you have been thinking of buying them since a, a long time and you know on black friday you're going to get great deals about it so depending upon your income uh, make that budget so that it's not going to give you any sort of unhappy situation um you know next month when you're paying your credit card bill so it could be any amount um again you know it all depends on person to person uh on their income and on their budget that was barbara patrocinio talking with mandeep kumar sadu economics phd and humber faculty of business professor And that's it for Ad Humber for Wednesday, November 23rd. Our lineup producer is Andrew Regnanden and our technical producer is Ian Godas. Today's contributors to Ad Humber were Andrew Regnanden, Barbara Patrocinio, Angelo Ventura, Joshua Drakes and Eric Reed. I'm Jess Kerr. I'm Sara Hurtado. Ad Humber is produced by students of the journalism and radio broadcasting programs on 969 Radio Humber. Music